If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm your host. And if you've been following me long enough, you know that I am the founder of M1, the mastermind group. This is a group of individuals that share common values in wanting to become successful, healthy, wealthy, and have rich relationships. But what does it mean to you? Well, it means there's a group of 400 people out there that maybe are achieving or have achieved the result that you crave. They're from all over the world, from all walks of life, but what they share is the practices of success and each and every day sharing their insights and their breakthroughs with each other, encouraging others to do the same thing. You see, you don't have to do it alone. I'm really proud of their success stories and I would love for yours to be the next one. If you are serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with one of my team members at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. So my next guest is James Miller, and he is the executive producer of the host of the nationally broadcasted and syndicated radio show, James Miller Lifeology. James is a licensed psychotherapist who has been in the mental health field for over 20 years. And after 13 years of a private practice, James left his successful practice in Washington area to follow his own dreams. He created James Miller Lifeology, where he globally helps people simplify and transform their spirit, mind, and body. His motto is just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do something. This motto helps him slow down his thought process and helps him live the healthiest possible life and pivot to better behavior. Hey, James, welcome to the podcast. We're super excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Rock. I'm really honored to be a guest on your show today. So if you are just listening to the audio version, you are missing out because this guy is dead sexy, good looking. <laughs> he's got a great smile. And um, you know, he's a, a great reflection of somebody who's, I think, holistically uh, living a, a full life. And I want to talk about that today. And I want to jump right into it. Sure. It's, how do you define yourself? Because People have been defined by other people, like you are stupid, you are smart, you are fun, but how do you, have you come, what labels have you chosen to give yourself? Where are you at with that? That's a great question. I think one, one thing that many people do is they take an event that they've experienced and that becomes a label that they are. So for example, if I'm a divorced person and I'm, I'm not lovable, um, or if I've, I've been bankrupt and all of a sudden I can't handle finances. And so when we go through life, we experience all these different types of potential labels, which are really just situations. So for me, every day I start my day, and we'll jump into this later, but I start my day every morning with um, a, a, a type of um, recording of an affirmation I've done. So since I'm on the radio all the time, it's a, for me, it's a 30-minute affirmation, goal setting. So I go through that every morning and I hear that I'm lovable, I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm sexy, I'm compassionate. And so I hear that every single morning. Now, some mornings I don't feel like that, <laughs> but the fact is I hear it every day. And as we know that what we hear every day and what is in front of us, that's what we focus on. So that is what I do. And that is what I tell myself every morning. So um, it's interesting you say that because I have a very similar practice and I wanna ask you a personal question. Are you in a relationship? No, I am single. 
Okay. And when you, when you were in your last relationship, how did that, that affect your morning routine? Because people talk about a morning routine. I'm going to get a little intimate here, but they rarely talk about the time to make love or to be intimate. They're like, Oh, I get up and I do my exercise, my affirmations and journal and read and meditate. Who's, are people not making love in the morning? And if you are, that's messed with my routine. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a really great, great question. I've actually never been asked that before. What I do every morning is when I look at my schedule for the next day. Uh, so if I know I have a really busy schedule, I'm always awake two hours before I'm supposed to be on air or, or consulting with a client. So that is what my day looks like. However, if I have one of those spontaneous moments with someone, then what I would do is I will then obviously allow the intimacy to happen. But then after that, I immediately say, okay, now where am I going to fit in my morning routine? So I always flex it because just because life happens and it happens to all of us, something happens, what do we do? So just because it may mess with or interrupt my daily routine that I typically have, I'm automatically going to do it anyway. So as soon as that situation is over, as soon as anything is over, I automatically say, okay, now when am I going to do this? Because I have to do it. So for me, I will sometimes have to parse it out. So it may not be a full half hour, but I will do maybe 10 minutes here and I'll piecemeal it as needed throughout the day. So I still get the same duration, but it may be broken down into smaller components throughout the day. I love it because successful people are adaptable, flexible. They find a way to get the outcome. They don't have an excuse. And they're like, okay, if I can't do it here, I'll Mm -hmm. adapt. Uh, I do push-ups at the airport and yoga. And I mean, I'm going to get my workout. My body will be sculpted no matter what. I'm not going to have any excuses. So I'm just sitting here, you know, chatting. I can feel your energy. And I want to ask you a question because I think so many people struggle with energy. And when, uh-huh. when I hear you say, well, I get up two hours earlier before, I can hear people's voices going, yeah, but <laughs> what do you mean two hours before? Yeah. How, do, how does somebody do that? Where do you get the consistent ability to show up? You know, how old are you? I'm 43. You're 43. You yeah. look awesome. Thank how you. do you I'm... consistently um, get yourself, and really the word consistently, day in and day out to have the energy you have. Give us the inside scoop. Great question. So sometimes I consult with, with clients as early as 7 a.m. So if it's 7 a.m., then I'm up by 5 a.m. My normal time that I typically get up is between 6 and 6.30. I allow myself to flex that time. Okay. The, the difference is, is when I look at my schedule for the next day, I always tell people it's not about planning right when you're supposed to do something, you need to plan way in advance. So I will look at my schedule for the week or I'll look at my schedule for the next day and I will say, okay, I need to be in bed by this time. I want to make sure that I'm refreshed. And so for me, I have all these different ways in which I flex my schedule so that I can have that time in the morning. I always teach that your day isn't, how you start your day is indicative of how your day is going to go. So if I start my day in an unplanned way or unfocused way, it's going to be more difficult for me to be able to be the successful person I want to be that day. So I will always look a minimum of 24 hours in advance to plan my night before. I always share with people that when you do one thing, you want to ask yourself, how does this impact the next event? So you always Mm -hmm. want to think ahead. Because if I just do one thing, let's say I'm out with my friends running around at happy hour and I'm out too late, then all of a sudden the next day, that's mm-hmm. going to affect me. And mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I, I wasn't always, but as a morning person, I want to make sure that my day is, is the most successful it can be. So when that happens, I will say, okay, I need to be in bed by, by 10 o'clock or by 9.30, or I need to stop having, um, doing this certain activity by a certain time because that allows me for downtime to decompress, which allows me to relax and sleep so that the next day I can do whatever it is I'm supposed to do. So many times people say, well, James, I'm not living in the moment. I'm actually living in the moment, but I'm doing it in a responsible way. 
Just because you can go out and do so many things with everybody doesn't mean you always should. Doesn't mean you can stay out and do all these things with your friends because you can, but how is that going to affect the next thing you do? So I always tell people it's important to think just ahead to the next event or even the one beyond that to say, how can I be as successful as I want to be or as I can be? Because we all have potential. And if I don't live up to my own potential, that's on me. We're all self-made people. And with that self-made aspect, how can you grow and develop? And so the responsibility comes back onto each one of us. So that's kind of how I kind of plan ahead and look into the future. Makes sense. I can be as successful as possible. How did you go from not being a person, morning person to being a morning person? What happened? A lot of it was just, like I said, looking at my schedule and really planning on that and how, how can I be successful? So as an entrepreneur, if I don't show up looking a certain way or doing a certain thing or just being fresh, I don't get paid. <laughs> I like money. I like to be successful. So but for me, when I started as an entrepreneur, when I was, I guess I was 31. So that was what, 12, 15 years ago. I, I learned that real quickly that takes priority. And then as I grew in my business, that's when I started to realize, okay, well, how do I, how do I say that, take that same mentality and move it to my, to my physical appearance or to my learning a new language or learning a new craft? How can I do that so that I can have all areas of my life increase? And that's really what I did was just simply looking ahead at my schedule. So everybody has different definition for success. What's yours? My success, my metric of success, it's, it's fleshed out all over to all areas. I want to live a happy, thriving life. And so for me, that's what it looks like. I don't have to have the most money. I don't have to be the, the best at everything. But if I'm able to live a life where it's on my terms, in fact, that's what I've done, um, then I, I feel successful. I feel happy. I feel joyful. I feel exuberant. Those are things that I think are important because if we have a very unipolar version of what success means, in other words, just one metric, and for some people, that's just finances or that's a car or that's um, whatever their job title is. Unfortunately, that's very myopic or that's just very, um, you can only see one version of that. So when you look at all areas of your life for success, I take it to a physical or emotional sensation, a state of being. And so when you have a state of being, that then allows you to be successful in all those other areas, however you want to determine it. So my book, Your Epic Life Blueprint, I talk about 10 rules and um, the first rule is 30 minutes a day of personal development. Is that something that you adhere to? Yes, every morning. So because, of, because I'm able to, I have a different work schedule, schedule than most people, I can flex my day as much as I want uh, within reason. So for me, once, once I start my morning, that's at 30, 30 minutes, and then I'll fit in an hour and a half at the gym sometime. Usually I like to do it in the morning as early as possible. Uh, but if I can't, I move that to different areas of my life. So I adhere to looking at my spirit, mind, and body, that's how I break it up, and making sure that every single day I do something, a minimum of 30 minutes, to be able to really advance myself and grow myself. We were talking in the virtual green room just before this, and I was talking more about, for me, if I'm growing and developing in a certain way, I want to make sure that I grow and develop in other areas. I coined the term symmetrical living. So, you know, if, if we're growing and developing in certain ways, how are we growing and developing the other ways? Because we've all seen those, those um, bodybuilders at the gym and they have this huge upper body and they look really good. But then you, sc you, you scroll down to their, to their legs and they have scrawny little chicken legs. Yeah, you're yeah. like, wait, what is that about? <laughs> so I kind of use that analogy for my life. I don't want to have scrawny legs. So I want to make sure that my spirit, mind, and body are continuing to grow and develop in a way that is, that, that's growing together because that's self-development. That's living life with a purpose. That's allowing yourself to level up every single day. So 
to piggyback on that, there's a phrase called passionate curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think that anybody that's going to go deep in any area and, and really add value to other people's lives is because they've been passionately curious about something. How has that affected your life? As a little boy, I lived in rural Canada. In fact, I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, so I lived in rural Canada. Yeah, my parents had a very rustic fishing resort in Western Ontario. So it was so remote, you had to fly in by float plane. So I had the juxtaposition or the, the comparison between living in without electricity and a generator for a few hours. And then half of the year I'd be in the, in the United States um, going to school. So I never really fit in. So as a curious little boy, I didn't really have any friends in Canada. So I would read encyclopedias, I would read dictionaries, and I just would get lost in those. There was a certain type of encyclopedia that I would have like is for, for kids. It would have little stories in there. And I, for hours, I would read and read. And, and I was so curious about that. So even today, as, as that same, I guess, um, element comes out of my life, now, if I, if I have time, I'll say, hey, Google, and I'll ask, you know, ask a question, because it's just a random thing that would come to mind. You know? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or this is something, you know, something I really want to learn. So I think when we're passionate about anything, it's really more passionate about life, the more you are have questions and get out of your head and look at the world around you, you're going to be so excited about life. I mean, I, I am blessed to live here on the ocean here in, in Palm Beach and I absolutely love it. You know, it, but if I'm continually on my phone or continue on my electronics, I don't get to see the beauty of every day. You know, this morning I was walking my dog and this flock of parrots flew over so loud. I was like, where am I? I'm like, this is not how, what I'm used, to, where I'm used to living. But the passionate curiosity just means passion about life. You can't wait to learn something new. If, if you want to know something, you go for it. You know, many times we, if we're interested in dating somebody, we will, <laughs> I may have done this allegedly, you know, your Facebook stock them, you, may, you know, Facebook stock yeah, them, yeah, yeah. them up, but, but you're curious about it. So it's sure. the same thing as well as when it comes down to if you're passionate about something, you want to make sure that that is in every area of your life because the more, the more it's passion is around you and curiosity is around you, the more it, you will see it, the more you will learn. Um, and unfortunately, so many people just don't take advantage of every moment is an opportunity to learn and grow. Very cool. Well, you light up when you talk about that. It's awesome. <laughs> well, not the Facebook talking, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Another one of my rules is that nothing is meaning but the meaning you give it. And for people that um, are really, you know, positive and empowered and successful and capable of handling adversity, they're very good at giving empowering meanings to things. What are some of the strategies you use in order to bounce back from adversity? One of the biggest questions I always ask myself is, what am I learning about myself right now? Mm. It's funny, uh, just before I went on air, I, I, I don't know if you can hear this, but there's some construction happening down below me. And I was like, I felt my, my, my anxiety creep up. I was like, <laughs> all right, James, apparently you get to learn patience today. <laughs> and I was like, oh, patience is one I always have to learn because I like to be you know, a go-getter all the time. Right. But I always tell myself, what are you learning about yourself, James? You know, every situation, like I said earlier, is an opportunity to grow and develop. So we can, if something's in front of me, a form of adversity it can either become a stumbling block or i can make it a stepping stone now it doesn't mean in that moment i'm like oh my gosh i have the best reframe ever and now all of a sudden i'm just going to launch forward there is an appropriate time of feeling an appropriate time of grief an appropriate time of being mm -hmm. blindsided and so many times people forget that and so in the self-help world like oh just get over it you know you can you can move beyond it and yes that's true but there are two elements when it comes to life the first is the self-validation this is really hard james this is one of the hardest things you've ever been through i'm so sorry you're going through this and so that's the self-talk we create but then from there then the responsibility is to say okay what do i do with it now 
So there's, a, there's two uh, metrics there, there's two steps rather, is the personal self-validation, and this is what I do. And then I say, now what am I gonna do about this? And so what am I gonna do about it gives me an opportunity to say, okay, well, I'm not, I don't really know what to do. So then I say, well, when did I feel this before? I mean, I've experienced the same situation before, but I've experienced the same feelings before. Loneliness, sadness, um, heartache, um, frustration, anger, rage, whatever it is, let me reflect on my past data because we all have personal data and that we've used or that we can use rather to say, well, what did I do that helped me? And what did I do that didn't help me? So so many times you think, well, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. But what I do is I really reflect on my past and say, how, where was I successful in, in moving beyond? And when was I not? So that's kind of how I do it in the sense of things can be a stumbling block or they can be a stepping stone depending on the question you ask yourself. What am I learning about myself? Let me self-validate. Let me reflect, regroup, look at my past, and let me relaunch again. I love that. I want to ask you a piggyback question on that because you sure. talked about the feelings. And I think that there was a period in my life for sure where I went stoic and I didn't feel the feelings of the event and just kind of numbed myself so I sure. could move through it. But then later on, they're somewhere in your body because they need to be dealt with. So how, do, how would you coach somebody or guide them on not being a victim in the feelings like woe is me, but at least honoring the feeling itself. Yes, great question. You know, um, and I'll add, remind me in a moment, please, to talk about how feelings actually demonstrate how they translate to the physical ailments of one's body. But when we come to the actual aspect of self-validating, but not self-loathing or self-pity, the difference is we give ourselves a time frame. You know, I will say, James, um, you can feel this as much as you want, as long as you want, but you need to cap that. So just like I was talking earlier about my night before, what I do, I cap it as well. So the same type of thing, James, sit and feel, feel this for, for a day for 24 hours, for 48 hours, um, don't, and then after that 48 hours, then that's when the next part comes in. So it, it's, it's, more of a, it's more of a structured way to process one's emotions within a certain time period. And then if we don't change that, that goes into self-loathing or that goes into a form of mm. depression. And so you can allow yourself to feel something for a very short period of time, but just like you plan your schedule, you want to plan out for how long am I going to sit with this? You know, I, I was once working with someone and, and they're like, James, I'm, I'm heartbroken with this person. What, what, when is this going to end? And and it just came to me. I was like, well, when you want it to end, when you don't want to feel this way anymore. So when we're right. done, we're done. So the part of it is we don't really realize that we have that ability to, to feel the emotion, but not get lost in the emotion. So that's why if you allow yourself to grieve for you know, a three-day period or whatever time frame you want, but just like when you set your schedule for the next event, you need to say, okay, well, then I'm going to feel this for that certain period of time. Now I'm going to regroup, just like I said, looking at your past data. And I'm going to say, what did I do? And so when those thoughts come to me of woe is me or I'm, I'm this or I'm that, that's when you remind yourself, no, I've already experienced that. This is not the time to sit and wallow in this. And so as we, as we know with grief, there are five stages of grief. And so the first part, of course, is going to be the denial piece. And then you have, you know, you have the anger, then you have the... Um, you have the bartering, then you have the depression, and then eventually you have the acceptance. So we can look at those elements of the stages of grief within those few days because you will still feel. And so we're not saying you're not going to feel after you put the end cap on that, that time period. It's just that's when you can self-validate. Yes, James, this is really hard, but 
this is who you are. You are successful. You have, you have a very bright mind. You, you have done this in the past. You've overcome this in the past. And so many people don't realize that your self-talk is one of the most powerful gifts, one of the most powerful um, superpowers you can give yourself. And when people just don't realize that, that's when we get lost and we, be, we have this victim mentality. And of course, I'm not minimizing anyone's struggle, but we don't always have to be that victim. We can't change what's happened to us, but we can change what we do with it. And so that's that element of that self, um, that self affirmation after a certain period of time when you still feel that grief, because that validation allows you your internal self and your proactive self to work together to be able to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish. So would you also agree that you can bounce around from those stages? Like you could, you could go from sadness back to anger as you think about it and you're like, ah, <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, those, those stages aren't always chronological. They're not always linear. So you can move back and forth. And sometimes within, you know, four seconds, you've experienced it all. <laughs> so yeah. by no means is it just is going to be a very linear uh, standpoint, but that you are going to experience those things. So grief is not you know, all those five stages and you're done, you'll bounce back in that. And so it's, it's a cycle that keep ha keeps happening until eventually you have that acceptance. And of course, in the future, you may be triggered by it, but you don't, you don't experience those cycles or those stages for a long period of time. They're shorter. And then that's when your self-talk kicks back in. I know I've been pulled over and gotten a ticket from a police officer and gone through, you know, over to sadness <laughs> and then back to anger as I see him walking back to the yes. car and then sadness again and then bartering and, you know, so I, I get it. So um, you, you asked me to remind you how do the feelings and the ailments uh, affect you because I think that that kind of all goes together is what mm -hmm. we're talking about. And so my background is, is I'm a psychotherapist and in that uh, from a cognitive behavioral standpoint or rationally emotive behavioral therapy for any of you who want to research that, it's a great methodology. So what, what we teach is whatever you perceive to be true, whatever your belief system is, determines what you feel. Your feeling then determines what happens from a brain chemistry standpoint, but also happens, determines what what you physically do. What is your physical response? So if I'm feeling something, or if I've, I've uh, something's happened where I feel a lot of grief, and so I, um, I see something that's very uh, painful for me, I experience grief, I feel grief, all of a sudden my body wants to, to cry. And I actually did a show on this before where it, it's funny, most people say, well, you know, real men don't cry. Well, the reality is real men will live longer when they do cry. Because when you don't cry, what happens is all the toxins that are in your body, the cortisol, all these different aspects of, of chemical reactions become entrapped in your body. And so the best way to actually release those toxins is when you cry. The more you release the toxins, the more it affects your metabolism, the more it affects your, your, your blood pressure. There's so many things that it does. So as you cry, you're purging yourself from that, which resets your body, which then allows you to then live longer from, you know, from a, um, a longitudinal, longitudinal standpoint. So you'll live longer when you do those types of things. So that's why for me, I'm like, well, real men do cry because they're going to live longer than the men who do not cry. And once again, there's nothing wrong with not crying if that's not who you are. But the point is, is when we, when we entrap those emotions, because the, the emotions and the physical response or the chemical response are really um, part of the same thing. It's just, it takes it from an intangible of the emotion to a tangible of chemicals or to a physical response. And so that's kind of how it works is perception, emotions, actions. And so when we don't do that, it stops it, stops us from being healthy. It's really funny that if you, if you laugh, 
um, what happens is natural killer cells are actually created in your body. So natural killer cells are, are those cells that, that will kill off any tumorous type of element that's in your bloodstream or in your cells. And so when you laugh because you're feeling joy, that is how you will live longer from, from a standpoint. So that's why when you would read all those different studies about people, they're like, well, what was a unifying thing that really made them live longer? Well, a lot of it was they were happy, joyful people because the longer and more you're able to laugh, which is a physical response, causes um, based off of joy, based off of how you perceive the world, allows for those natural killer state cells to be able to kill off anything that's really in your body. So to, to really answer your question, whatever we hold on to from an emotional standpoint, based off of what we perceive, I believe or this happened, I believe I'm a failure, I feel sadness, all of a sudden my body doesn't purge what it needs to purge and it, it presents itself for my physical disposition. So when we change our perspective about what we experience in life, that then changes our emotional state, which then changes our physical state. So sometimes people are like, James, you're always happy. Well, the truth is I'm not, but I choose to focus on, take something from a, a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. So therefore it affects my emotional well-being, which then affects my physical comportment or my physical well-being. So that is kind of it in a nutshell as far as how emotions um, are and, and the, the emotional response is presented in one's physical body. It's a very big nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so then would you say that um, you could actually fake laugh to get yourself into a place where you have um, more of those feelings? You know, it's, it's interesting. It, it really boils down to your state of being. I, I've had a lot of people who, um, who've asked me about altruism. Altruism, it's, it's quite fascinating because if so, for those of you who don't know what altruism is, what it basically means is you do something for someone else without wanting anything in return. You just are doing something kind and that's it. When you do that, your body releases a huge surge of dopamine, a huge surge of serotonin, and those are the feel-good emotions. And so what it does, it gives a long-acting um, response that way because you're like, wow, I really helped somebody, and I wanted nothing back from that. When this whole concept of faking it till you make it is great from a habit standpoint, but the, if you fake it in your mind or if you laugh and it doesn't really present itself, you're not going to get that long-term surge of the emotional or excuse me, the chemical reactions that we're looking for. So if, you're, if you don't buy into it from your, from your um, cognitive mind or your, your, your brain itself, if you don't really believe it, you're not going to get that surge. So it is important to fake it till you make it. But when, if we fake it and we try and fake ourselves out of it, we're not going to get that. So sometimes if we do things for other people, we don't and we're trying to present a certain way, well, we're not gonna get that, that, that reward that we would get should we do it just because. And so that there is that element of, you'll know how much, of, how much you're, you personally buy into something when the chemical reactions happen or don't happen. And so that's kind of a way to, to remind yourself of that. So interestingly, you say that being altruistic is giving without expecting anything back, yet ultimately you're getting the gift that you give yourself mm -hmm. of healthy endorphins, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of selfish in a way. Well, it could be considered that way, but I kind of look at it as karma. And so from a karmatic rule, you know, you, you put something out and it comes back to you. Now, if you do it in a way of, okay, I know James, I know James said I'm going to get this. That's not I didn't mean it that way. I meant <laughs> sure, that yeah. ultimately when you choose to give for the sake of giving, uh -huh. you take care of yourself. 
Yes. And so right. when you put other people in, in front of you, so in other words, that servant heart, or that way to say, you know, I, I want to be kind to you, your body will reward you for doing that. So it can be selfish in that respect, as far as you get, you will get a return. But when you do something, when that's not on the forefront of your mind of how this is going to help you, your body will give you this amazing reward, which then gives you energy, which then clears your mind, which then gives you so much fortitude and strength to do more things. There's actually another study that I read that talks about people who volunteer more actually have a longer life as well. Because when you have that altruistic state or are in that altruistic state, it gives you so much more energy and that energy allows you to focus on things you want to do. So that's where exercise comes in. That's where spending time with family comes in, with friends, all that happens. So when you give back to others, your body, when you fully do it, your body will reward you in kind, which then gives you that strength and stamina that you're looking for. I give you a little example that that's that's real real life is my mother I was visiting my mother uh, yesterday and she Airbnb's a room in her house and this guy was there with his autistic child and taking him on a special adventure and he needed to park his car for about five days and he goes I guess I'll just park it at the airport you know it'll be like 30 bucks a day I'd, I'd rather not but I can't find a place now, I own um, a building with 150 parking spots, mm -hmm. and it's slow in the summer, so it's not like we're going to be... I said, well, why don't you just park it at my business? And he goes, well, I wouldn't want to impose. I go, it's not, it's not an imposition. It's not a problem. He goes, really? Oh, my God, that's so kind of you. Thank you. And then he goes, okay. And then my mother says, well, let me drive you there. I'll show you where to park. Mm -hmm. And he goes, really? Oh, my God, thank you. You guys are so nice. <laughs> and he goes, I, I feel awkward. And I go, just be open, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my mother drives him there, drops him off. He goes, okay, thank you very much. I'm going to take an Uber to the airport. She goes, well, why don't I just drive you to the airport? And he goes, my gosh. He goes, I don't know how to handle all this kindness. <laughs> so she drove him there. And then as he left, he thanked her, gave her a hug, and then threw $20 on the chair, mm. you know, while she went away That's because nice. he just, you know. Yeah. But to your point is, you know, I, I did it because I, I can and because yeah. it, you know, it's just easy to do, but I didn't do it because I wanted brownie points or anything. Sure. I just saw him trying to make a special time mm -hmm. with his autistic son. And I thought whatever I could do to contribute to Certainly. that, as tiny yeah. as it is, I'm happy to do. Yes. And, and it but, costs you nothing. It literally costs you nothing. And I think that's where so many times people think, well, I, I don't have time to give back to my community. Well, you can simply smile at someone. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy, but once again, we have these constructs and ideas of, I have to do all these grand gestures in order yeah. to be kind to others. And that's not the case at all. Yeah, it's the little things, mm -hmm. so cliche. So I'm a big fan of, of some of the work I've done recently on letting go and meditation and retreats in India. Some of my favorite books are um, The Untethered Soul, The Surrender Experiment, Letting Go. Do you have any other suggestions for people that could do with physically releasing some things, letting go some forgiving and all that kind of in that, in that arena? As far as books you mean, or just in general? Either one. Well, it's one of the books that I always read was um, The Power of Positive Thinking. It was an, a book by um, um, Norman Vincent Peale. That was one mm -hmm. of the, actually, actually, I believe that was one of the most um, popular self-help books for quite a long time. Decades. Yeah. yeah, I was. And it was really interesting because he came from a Christian standpoint and it's not necessarily a Christian book, but it's a Christian standpoint. And it's, it's was odd to me because so many people in that religion didn't agree with that book. And once again, it has nothing to do with, with Christianity. It was just at that time, it was just very cutting edge because it was just coming out of the depression. A lot of people had changed. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was this concept of what you 
put in your mind and what, on what you focus determines what your output's going to be or what, what comes back to you. And it was really revolutionary. And so even though that, that was written so long ago, I think that for me, that's one of the most powerful, powerful books. Um, and then what was the other one by, um, goodness, um, Man's Search for Meaning, which oh, was yeah, Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. Oh my gosh. One of the most amazing psychologists yeah. ever. I, yeah. That's a powerful story. Anyway, his, his book as well comes really from an existential standpoint of it's a fancy word to basically say, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What's my point? Right. And yeah. so those two books there, I found to be very inspiring because it really made me ask the question of why. Why are you here, James? What is your purpose? If you want to change your life, what are you thinking on? What are you putting inside of you? And so those concepts are very powerful in the sense of it's just really slowing everything down in your life to say, well, what do I feel? And what I'm feeling doesn't necessarily mean it's reality. It's what I want to reflect back to the world. So the more I put in the, the, the concept of I am this, I am that, that allows me to then say, yes, I am that. Let me show up in the world that way. And then what, what I put out to the world comes back to me as well. You know, it goes back to the whole aspect of if you're looking for blessings in your life and for serendipity and, and providential things, well, are you looking for them? <laughs> If you're not looking for them, then unfortunately, you're not going to see those things. So it goes back to if you want forgiveness, are you forgiving other people? So with what you're looking for, if you're not putting that in your own life and demonstrating it to other people, more than likely, you're not going to see it because you're not focused on it. So in your 30 minutes of, um, you know, listening to, you know, the, the embodiment of what you want to be, what are some of the things that you would you've used that are useful for you like for me i have i'm gifted guided grateful powerful passionate playful sexy sensual sensitive and blessed i have 10 words each one of them has words below, below them i'm gifted with an elite athletic body mm -hmm. the ability to impact people what are what is your identity and how have you how have you created consciousness around that that maybe people could learn from I don't necessarily have 10. I mean, I have quite a few but my whole aspect is I just want to be kind for me kindness is engenders being loving, being compassionate, being um, all accepting, all encompassing. To me, kindness is just the foundation of who I want to be. Mm. I don't, like I said, I don't need to be anything else. As long as I'm kind to other people, that's at the core of who I am. That's kindness beautiful. to help other people, kindness to help myself, kindness mm -hmm. to be kind to myself. And there's just a mm -hmm. whole concept of sometimes our self-talk can be so negative and so hurtful to ourselves. So that's yes. what it boils down for me is how can I be kind to myself and kind to the people around me? So that's kind of what I am, what mm -hmm. the embodiment of who I am when it comes to uh, my presentations and what I, how I, how I show up in the world. So that's really how it is for me in that respect is just the kindness component. So everything that goes along with that are derivatives of that or offshoots of that. And that's just for me, how, how it works. Now, the other element of that as well, thank you. The other element of that as well is in that 30 minutes, and I have about 15 minutes of what my goals are for this year. So I will take it for uh, maybe 10 minutes of what my goals are for this for, for the full year. And then I'll take it for what are my goals for this quarter. And so as I hear that every day, it really helps me focus on my, my positive affirmations of who I am the first 15 minutes. And then it goes into, uh, I think it's 10 minutes of my quarter goals and then my year goals. And so that for the full half hour. Mm. So for me, I hear that every single day. So I know my quarter, you know, it's, it's, I have to really be mindful and conscious of making sure that these are my priorities right now, just because we can do things, like I said earlier, doesn't mean we should, you know? So if I prioritize something that's, you know, for the last quarter of the year, but I all of a sudden prioritize it now, it's not, it's not balanced. And so I have to always remind myself, James, you have so many things you want to do, but let's stay focused. You know, I can be that kind of too much attention <laughs> to be distracted too much. So I have to really be mindful of making sure that I really focus on that. And that is what has, how my brand, 
brand has ruled out. And that's why I've, I've reached the success that I've reached is because I'm always focused on what my goals are um, within certain time periods. And I make sure that I do every single step, checking in with myself to make sure my day and my mind is reset to make sure that I'm doing those things that I'm supposed to be doing. James Miller, how can people get hold of you? Well, I appreciate that. So um, I have a nationally syndicated and broadcasted radio show. So I'm on all over anything you want to hear. I'm there. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. And you can find out everything about me. Um, I'm all over Instagram at jamesmillerlifeology and everything else as well. So just simply once again, go to my website and find more information about me there. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And everybody listening, remember that the words that follow I am follow you. So choose them consciously with intention. Be purposeful. Describe yourself in a way that you can be kind to yourself, kind to others, because that's one of the most beautiful umbrellas I think that we can all have uh, as, a, uh, as an intention. So, uh, James, thanks so much for bringing your energy, your passion, your beautiful smile, your sexy body, and uh, all of the life that you are helping the rest of us ology into ourselves. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be here today. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.